Hello and welcome to the Ask Dr. Ben podcast. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. As a holistic-minded physician, I've spent the last 20 years looking outside the box and conducting research to find the true causes of skin conditions and other diseases. And while the focus of my work has been on aesthetic medicine and unlocking the secrets to reversing skin damage, this podcast will also include many other exciting revelations pertaining to you and your family's health and well-being. So let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ask Dr. Ben. Today's episode should be fun. We're talking about the top 10 signs of aging and what procedures you might want to avoid, what really works. You know, I've, I have a holistic perspective on the human body, which I think is pretty unique to the world of cosmetic surgery and aesthetic procedures, but also when it comes to wellness, I believe a lot of things can be helped in a holistic way. So where I can, I'm going to try to remember all the different things that may be options for you for each of these aspects of aging and why I think you should reconsider and look for this holistic perspective. You're going to find I have answers for a lot of things, primarily because over these last This last decade plus or so, I've been asked to address things and I never say no. Like my intellectual curiosity gets the best of me. I chase down the potential causes of things and then see if solutions are possible. And then I chase down if it's a solution that I can help with or not. And I mean, we've just been knocking it out of the park, to be honest, at osmosis with the strategies we're employing. And in this day and age, when your health is most critical, right, during this time when you have the ability to be exposed and re-exposed to this virus, you need your immune system working right. And that's on the list here. So let's dive right in. This might end up being two sessions. So if you're really getting into it and we cut it off, I apologize in advance. But I'm trying to keep my sessions to about a half hour just for you know, tolerance and your timing, you know, maybe you're driving from to go pick up your kids. And, you know, anyway, 30 minutes seems to be like a preferred amount of time. All right. So the number 10 sign of aging is a digestive issue. So what I call it as digestive malaise, issues with bloating, you know, belly puffiness, discomfort, cramping. In general, it seems to me that as we get older, more and more people are just accepting the idea that digestive issues are part of aging. And yes, they would like to resolve it, but the choices that are out there are not always the most effective choices. So I wanted to give you sort of the broad picture here, which is in general, digestive problems are caused by microbiome issues. Surprise, surprise, right? Your microbiome, all the probiotics that line your digestive tract are all involved in uh, helping you process food. And of course, as we age, we just accumulate years and years of not always getting the best food options, which is a challenge I put to our Western civilizations. I speak often about the idea that putting bleach in our water, pretty much everyone's public water has bleach in it, is ludicrous. It's just silliness. And 
absolutely should be stopped tomorrow and we'll come up with better purification methods, whatever it takes. But the poisoning of the human being and their digestive tract, remember bleach is particularly harmful to your microbiome. And so that's challenge number one. So I advise anybody who's in a state and you should check out your state. You may already know it has higher chlorine or not. And they, by the way, they call it chlorine and chlorine sounds way more benign than bleach. But trust me when I say, when you look up the chemical, it is not straight chlorine. It is always some oxygen chlorine combination that is basically bleach by definition. So number one idea for people who are struggling with these issues with digestive problems is to, first of all, analyze. And you can use our face mapping. So if you go to skin mapping at osmosisbeauty.com, you'll see where we help you identify which organs are involved. And then we do our best in that skin quiz to give you the idea of what's actually causing your skin issue. But as always, uh, you can write me at... Dr. Ben at osmosisbeauty.com, and I will assess you on an individual basis to see if I think it's something specific. And I've been having really good success with this, so I would put it over 95% success rate, probably closer to 97 success rate with the issues that I'm dealing with. And then obviously with certain skin conditions, we're having 99% success rate. So that may sound crazy to you if you're not familiar with what we do here, but it's the norm uh, here for us. And listen, I'm going to take that personal attention to help you because I'm trying to create a movement here. I'm trying to create an understanding. I feel like the larger the number of people who get these remarkable uh, results, and I hear that we're very popular in certain chat rooms and social media venues where people are sharing their results. It's sort of jaw-dropping when you get down to the level of severity of some of these issues. So digestion is certainly one I've focused a lot on because it's the source of rosacea and it is it reduces your happiness. So, you know, I, you know, in a more spiritual perspective, what I would tell you is the most important thing you can do every day is make sure that you have this amazing sense of contentment, if not a sense of joy, as much of the day as you possibly can. And if there are triggers leading to you not feeling happy or joyful throughout the day, you need to identify those and resolve them. There's no you know, individual recipe for this, but it starts by making, bringing awareness to it. Start to pay attention to how often during the day you're worried how often during the day you're unhappy or you're angry or, you know, list the, the long uh, number of emotions that pull us out of our sense of joy. And so I know that one of them is people love food and they want to eat food. Food is a source of joy. And when you can't eat your favorite foods or you're finding every time you eat now you have prolonged gas, bloating, pain, or you have, you know, chronic diarrhea or constipation or all those things, which are getting more and more common with aging, then we need to address it. So number 10 is digestive malaise, issues with digestion and bloating and... When it gets, comes to the microbiome, uh, one of the key things, because remember here in this session, we're going to be talking about what to avoid. I can tell you right now, you avoid antacids, okay? Do not take antacids to help you with your acid reflux because antacids will reduce your digestive capacity and then you have way more poisonous food passing through your digestive tract. This will lead to progression of of your symptoms and disease will not resolve your acid reflux. That needs to be addressed at a microbiome level. 
and or yeah, and including H. pylori, which I believe to be a shift of the microbiome. So where do you start? Well, you start by avoiding alkaline, like milk of magnesia or anything that's like a Tums or, or anything that alkalinizes your gut. You avoid alkalinized water because alkalinized water taken consistently over time actually reduces your stomach's, changes your microbiome, number one. Number two, it reduces your stomach's ability to break down food because your stomach wants to be an acid pit. And you avoid probiotics. You would think with all the crazy conversations about probiotics that that must be the solution. But like so many things in our industry, in Western medicine, in the beauty industry, and the health and wellness industry, we go off track and we don't get what needs to be done done. And we don't often address the source. Uh, There's a ton of guessing involved. And as always with hit or miss results, which probiotics can create, it gets very confusing. So for example, you may have a friend or you may personally have taken a probiotic and you notice that by taking that probiotic, your bloating went down or your digestive symptoms improved somewhat or maybe a lot. Well, that's rare. Most people have a detrimental effect from probiotics and it comes from a philosophy that I don't know how many others are sharing, but it's definitely the philosophy I hold on to, which is all of the bugs in your body, including your microbiome, are DNA selected, your DNA, not anybody else's DNA selected bugs based on your physiology. And as a result, if you're taking a, some shelf or refrigerator bot series of probiotics, they're not going to suit you because your bugs are different than the bugs they might think are good. And so as a result, I don't want you to take probiotics. The studies show that people after antibiotics end up having a more slow recovery on probiotics as a rule. So I'm a believer in prebiotics, not probiotics. And most prebiotics are designed poorly. In other words, they're designed with a bias where they might encourage a certain type of strain or set of strains of bacteria like lactobacillus, which causes you to gain weight. Another one of my top 10 list. Um, And so you don't want to be adding lactobacillus to your population, especially if you don't know if it's the strain your DNA wants. And so uh, we have this prebiotic at osmosis called recovery. And literally over three or four months, most people, it's three months at a tablespoon a day, three bottles total, you will see your microbiome completely transition back to its original state. The feedback we're getting is off the charts. It's a really fabulous product. And yes, you're taking a tablespoon of oil once a day. So if you have trouble swallowing oil, figure it out, put it in your smoothie. But it is amazing for so many aspects of the aging process. And we'll talk about some of its other benefits when we get to other parts of this list. I don't know what it is. Maybe I just haven't been talking that much this morning, but it seems like every time I do a podcast, I'm clearing my throat a lot. I'm like, okay, Ben, you need to, I don't, you know what it is? It's like in this world today where we're not interacting enough with other people. And the same thing is true here. We're operating with a relative skeleton staff here at the office. And uh, you just you just don't interact with people like we used to. And I, I think that is definitely a move in the wrong direction for our society. We are already screwed up by our cell phones and our children uh, living off of texting as a communication method. But anyway, I digress. Okay. So microbiome recovery is critical and our osmosis recovery, I think is the best in the business of doing it. Put us to the test. Let me show you how. If you have issues with digestion where you have acid reflux, a lot of times I'm recommending a digestive enzyme 
Ours is called Digestive Support, and it's an excellent enzyme. It does contain pancreatic enzymes from animal sources. So if you're vegan or vegetarian, it's not ideal for you. But if you're having acid reflux, it's a really good solution to help you break food down better so that your stomach doesn't have to produce more acid. See, I think a lot of acid reflux has to do with overproduction of acid. Not everybody, but an overproduction of acid in response to diminished pancreatic activity. The constipation diarrhea thing, which is becoming more and more of an issue, very heavily weighted on the microbiome problem. But you may very well have IBS from candida. A lot of people develop candida as they get older as a result of, you know, antibiotics here and there and never getting your the balance in your gut back to where it was. It could be because you have uh, progesterone as one of your medications and it is stimulating candida. It could be that you are big into drinking beer and that does intend to create uh, this candida slash yeast overload. could be that you do a lot of sugar and or fried foods. Uh, that is big in stimulating candida. So you want to address, while we're still in the digestive category, oh my God, I'm realizing this may be a three-part series. <laughs> I'm just a talker. But mucus is another issue. A lot of people are, oh, so how do you, well, first of all, let's address candida. One of the ways you have to address candida is by clearing your mucus buildup. And that comes primarily from dairy and fried foods. So if you're someone who's like, I have less and less ability to have dairy and I really love my dairy, you can get back to that, by the way. We, we restore. This is the whole point of this ep, this whole series here is we want to restore your youthful abilities to eat certain foods, to eat foods without cramping or, or any side effects, and to, you know, stay svelte and not have the chronic bloating issues that a lot of people have. So you would remove mucus with our skin clarifier. We call it a skin clarifier because mucus is connected to acne a lot and it's certainly the cause of blackheads. But in fact, it is a total body mucus cleanse. Pretty fantastic. You need one to three rounds of it. And you can base what you need by either writing me and I can help remote muscle test that for you or you can go on based on symptoms and see how many you need. And then there's people who have IBS for other reasons beyond candida. It could be a viral cause, which I think is linked to Crohn's, ulcerative colitis and celiac. I think there's a virus behind those. And so we have a protocol for those using our unique antiviral product called Immune Defense. I will be putting up those protocols on the website here, hopefully in the next week. But in the meantime, if you have some IBS condition, you want to know how to best treat it. Again, write me at drben at osmosisbeauty.com. So I think that pretty much covers, you know, if you have chronic constipation, you're going to want to address that. Usually constipation uh, is uh, increased by things like H. pylori. And you know you have H. pylori in a more serious way when you have redness around the sides of your nostrils. That's one of our skin mapping tips and tricks. But H. pylori uh, leads to poor food digestion, which leads to constipation. Mucus can lead to constipation, so that can be a factor. Obviously, the microbiome health is critical. We have amazing feedback on constipation problems being resolved in the first month of osmosis' recovery prebiotic. And then if you have... So let's see, digestive enzymes can help, the recovery helps, 
And uh, sometimes shrinking candida can help constipation. So then you're looking at our skin perfection elixir and our skin clarifier mucus cleanse for candida. I'm not sure I fully elucidated that protocol. And I'm throwing a lot at you, and I apologize. You can always re-listen if I'm hitting a hot button for you, and you're like, wait, wait, I didn't get all that. I, you know, I got to move pretty quick, otherwise this will be a 10-part series. (laughs) Nobody wants that. So chronic diarrhea is usually a pathogen problem. So we treat our pathogen problems with immune defense. So if it's food poisoning, if it's mold exposure through certain foods, those things can take hold in a weakened gut system you know, you just need to kill the bug. So, you know, again, write me because not every bug's the same if if you fall into that category. And did we cover this? I think we've actually covered number 10. It only took 17 minutes. So number nine, this one should be shorter. Number nine problem I noticed with aging, including yours truly, is hair loss. Increased hair. I'm putting this all into one category. It's a hair-related category. So you got hair loss on the head, increased hair on the body, gray hair. Of course, gray hair, right? That seems like a big one. But, you know, there's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do with that. Although I do think in general, if you're someone who grayed out early, so let's say you're near 30 or under 30 and you went gray you might be like, what do I do about this? Is that something that is reversible there? And to a certain degree, there is some reversibility. Like I've noticed that by restoring your microbiome, and I know that might sound shocking, but the recovery for your microbiome does reduce the overall gray hair content over, let's say, a six-month period. So it takes three months to restore your microbiome, and over the next three months after that, you should be noticing diminishing levels of gray hair. But most of the gray hair issue is actually emotional trauma. And it doesn't have to be trauma. It can just be a highly stressed out person, although usually those people have been through some trauma in their lifetime. There is a product we have for emotional trauma called Emotional Well-Being that works really, really well. As long as you take that twice daily dose, it's worth a shot. You know, give it two weeks to really start balancing you out. But, you know, it's something that uh, we have really good feedback on. And um, it can certainly help if you're younger and thinking, well, how I'm starting to see gray hairs into my 20s. What the heck, doc? How to help me out here? And the answer is try emotional well-being, because if you're going gray in your early 20s, you have increased inflammation in your body. And that's part of what's happening is your melanocytes are shutting down and or getting destroyed. The melanocytes in your scalp. And so, you know, there's not really a good way to address that other than reducing the inflammatory load. And I think emotional well-being can really help you. I'm not, you know, in the category of what to avoid in gray hair, there's not a lot. I mean, dyeing your hair is fine. I mean, you want to use the most natural dyes you can find. But, you know, it's certainly not a negative. I, I remember when we were dissecting cadavers in medical school, it was pretty crazy to see some of these skulls that were literally black from the hair dye deep into the tissue. So the dye can absorb into the skin. That's why you want to be as cautious as possible in your application. And I know when it's done professionally, it's much better than when it's done at home. And, you know, like I said, try to use the right hair dye when you can. And love the gray hair too. Like I think society's gone a little crazy for the hair dye and you know, depending on your hair pattern, there's a beauty in that. You know, there's there's people like probably aging myself, but and I'm 53, by the way, for those of you listening. And so I have had a chunk of aging experience up to this point. But people like me, I'm thinking of 
Lauren Hutton or Lauren Bacall that chose to age gracefully. I saw a picture of that girl from the little dancer brunette that was very mousy, pretty girl that was in all those movies way, way back. Oh my gosh, I just saw a picture of her. Anyway, she looked like she was trying to age gracefully. And part of this is, of course, to love yourself and accept that you are going to age and not fight it as much. Um, so we'll talk about some of that as we go through this list. But yeah, for gray hair, a recovery seems to be one of the more remarkable ways to do it. And then prevention of gray hair, emotional well-being, if you're somebody with PTSD or trauma or struggling to, you know, just stay calm during these very stressful times, uh, you may find that that's beneficial. I think only, you know, less than 20% of the people who are early grayers, it's purely genetic. So it's possible if you're somebody and you're like, oh yeah, all the family members grayed out by 35, you may be in that category, especially if you know you didn't go through a lot of emotional trauma as a child. And you know, there's not really a way to reverse that. Just so you know, the genetics are the genetics. We're going to talk about where genetics really play a role. I think too much is, is ascribed to the genetics. In many cases, they're like, oh, you have rosacea. Oh, that's genetic. Oh, you have acne. Oh, that's genetic. Oh, you have autoimmune disease. Oh, that's genetic. I don't buy into that genetic layout, if you will. So yeah, that's gray hair. Now, hair loss on the head. This is an important one, especially traumatic for women because they're not expected to lose their hair. For men, you know, we have a certain segment of the population, probably a third of men who have significant balding starting in, let's say, 18 to the early 20s and are pretty significantly fryer tucked by age 30. You're going to find that was built in by design. You know, I'm, I'm a believer from a spiritual perspective that kind of we, we, we make a plan coming into this lifetime. And so you'll find those people oftentimes are not very upset about their hair loss. They don't care that they're, they're going thin. It's us folk, and I include myself in that category, where our hair thinning is something that we do, would like to resist as much as possible. And like I said, especially in women, and maybe I'll go 40 minutes an episode here since I can see I'm pushing it. But yeah, so yeah, the hair loss in um, men, what are the factors? We have an imbalance of testosterone for men and women is a big one. Now, how does this happen? Most bodies do not make excess testosterone. That's never a factor. It's almost always going to be that our estrogen is low, men included. Our estrogen is low in the balance of things. And so everyone struggles with this, but it's primarily because of estrogenic toxins that we get an imbalance of testosterone. And what's basically happening is the body sees these estrogen poisons. It makes less estrogen or it binds up more of the estrogen that we naturally make. And that creates a seeming imbalance to the body. It becomes testosterone dominant, causes oily skin, causes hair growth, and it causes growth of hair on the body. So if you're a woman seeing your arm hair get more extensive, or you're noticing more and more lengthy peach fuzz on your face called vellus hair, or you're noticing more and more dark hairs coming into your face, then you should definitely look at getting rid of that. So the strategy at osmosis is skin defense where we bind up estrogenic toxins and this can take anywhere from two to 18 months. But the vast majority of people seem to be getting it done in about three months. 
and that just restores your natural estrogen and it restores the balance and that new hair stops coming in. Now, some of the old hairs that came in as a result of that imbalance may or may not dissipate. I'd say in general, expect them to be there. So I'm a believer in laser hair removal for dark hairs. I think it's an effective tool. It's not perfect by any means. It usually requires maintenance and several treatments, but I'm a believer in that. But you want to get to the balance so you don't keep getting new hairs. One of the biggest challenges people have is they're trying to like treat with electrolysis, which I'm also fine with, but electrolysis or laser, and yet they're still getting new hairs. So it seems like the laser hair removal service is not working quite as well when in fact it's just their balance is still out. Another important one to identify, because there's a lot of people who are very much crazy about their body fat percentage is this decline in body fat below healthy numbers. And so in men, that's a body fat below 6% by my estimate. And in women, that's a body fat below 15%. So when you see the decline below 15 or 6%, what happens is the body stops converting testosterone to estrogen because that happens in the fat cells and the fat cells become diminished, not in numbers, but in activity. And so there is a masculinization effect, which men are like, yeah, I'll take it. But no, it's not a good, you know, it's not going to be a positive. Any time your testosterone is out of balance, there's no positives to it. You get more aggressive. Honestly, I find libido is best enhanced with balanced estrogen testosterone. It's not best enhanced with testosterone being out of whack. So I'm not a believer in hormone supplementation, and I certainly wouldn't want you to take anything that might block your testosterone. But yes, uh, so testosterone imbalance is a big one for the increased hair on the back on men and increased growing hair on the face where their beard line raises up to their cheeks, you know, obviously shoulders, more hair. So all of this is not a necessary part of aging. Now, if you're someone who genetically has a lot of back hair, I'm not talking about you guys, you know, that's just part of your your genetic plan and embrace it. You know, it means, uh, you know, it does have benefits to it, mainly in the survival in the wilderness category, maybe. But uh, yeah, we can't really help it with skin defense, which again, binds these estrogen toxins over time to normalize your balance. You can also take osmosis's hormone relief, which provides a balanced presentation of the sensation to the body. It's a frequency-based product. And it provides the frequencies of hormones, really quite remarkable for a lot of different uh, issues. But we do have a hormone category coming up here, so we can get to that. As far as treatments to avoid, uh, I don't think shaving makes hairs thicker and darker. It's just that while you're shaving, usually you stay out of balance and your hairs get thick and they get thicker and darker. Um, now, as I mentioned recently on an Insta Live, uh, the Vela's hair can feel like it's stiffer if you shave it short and it's starting to grow out because it grows out straight before it kind of peels off and becomes softer. And so it might feel more prevalent on the face, but I don't believe that, you know, doing tr procedures like epidermal leveling or uh, there's another name for that where, you know, you take a razor and you exfoliate the skin gently, but you're also taking out all the hairs with it or shaving your, uh, itself. Or even if you've got an epilator and you're pulling the hairs out, all of that 
I think is fine as a management tool, especially if you're starting to get heavier on these hairs. You know, bleaching the hair is fine, I suppose, although you're bleaching the skin. It's not ideal. Yeah, I think that covers it on the hairs. So hormone relief, skin defense are good options for that. I say avoid waxing. I do think it's possible that waxing could lead to uh, changes in the hair follicle because of the traumatic nature of the event. And so I'm a little less confident in waxing these facial hairs, but I'd say the jury's still out. Uh, You know, a lot of you women who have been waxing for years, you may or may not feel like that change has been that significant in the hair. I don't think it would be that significant, but it is quite a traumatic event. Usually there's purging that goes with it. Not a fan of hormone supplementation. It comes with a ton of health risks. It distorts your body. You know, we got to stop looking at our body and going, oh, I know what I need to be. I need to have the testosterone level of a 16-year-old. No, (laughs) no, you don't. And for you ladies, you're like, oh, estrogen's good for you. Like it's about the bone health and all of that. No, estrogen is not a good idea. Uh, As a general rule, it can lead certainly to cancers uh, when you have, especially if your body has a lot of estrogen toxins. And the irony here is that estrogen toxins lead you to want to get estrogen because of menopausal symptoms and hot flashes and all that. And yet your body's toxic. And so adding estrogen makes you even more at risk for breast cancer, number one, and other feminine cancers potentially as well. So let's talk about intimacy. First of all, you know, one of the advantages at this time right now is, is more introspection. So if any of your intimacy issues are, are PTSD related, post-traumatic stress disorder related, emotional well-being can be very beneficial to you. If any of them are for subtle hormonal shifts, uh, hormone relief for both men and women has been very effective for a lot of people to treat libido, certainly to treat menopausal symptoms and the like. But one of the ones I'm most excited about, because it's pretty recent, is the idea of recovery. When you replace your microbiome, you replace the microbiome of your vaginal region. And this actually does change moisture content. And we've heard great feedback on that. So, you know, uh, what to avoid? Avoid... Cooking the vajayjay. Like, I don't know why uh, this this trend in vaginal rejuvenation is, is so hot right now. It's just sort of barbaric in my mind. Like, heating up your vaginal tissue is only going to lead to a hardening over time. Like, you're literally creating a wound that has the potential to scar down. It's a big mess. Now, if you're someone whose intimacy issues were related to fibroids and uterine collapse and heaviness and things like that. We do have a protocol for fibroids. Check that out or write me at Dr. Ben on Osmosis Beauty to help you with that. If you have a problem with intimacy because of uh, bacterial vaginosis, we have a solution for that and it involves recovery and immune defense. If you have yeast, recurring yeast issues, of course, you've just heard me talk about treating yeast, skin perfection and recovery are fantastic for that. So uh, there are a lot of solutions there that are going to work. As far as libido goes, again, that is heavily weighted on uh, testosterone. And the number one cause of lower testosterone is mercury poisoning. So that's in all the fish you're eating these days and some fish more than others. So if you're someone who loves your shrimp or lobster and you're living on the, the, the East Coast and you do a ton of that, uh, that wouldn't surprise me. That also leads to prostate issues, which can be a relative factor here. So if you've got libido, skin defense, binding up mercury, it's fantastic for doing that. I think it's better than chelation, IV chelation based on the ingredients I'm using. 
And so um, that can take some time. You know, one of the signs of having increased mercury is increased breakouts with waxing. So if you're someone who breaks out around the intimate regions, especially with waxing, that's a sign of mercury poisoning. If you're a guy and your prostate seems like it's getting bigger and you're having more and more trouble with frequency and difficulty eliminating, that oftentimes is also a mercury problem. And then the final one is vascular delivery for men who are having impotency issues and or difficulty maintaining an erection. And I can't say like some of this is cardiovascular. So, you know, just in general, as we go through this list, you might find some tips and tricks on improving your cardiovascular health. Some of it is medication. And I'm always a fan of trying to get people off medication. I don't think anybody should be on chronic medication unless it's an absolute necessity. And by the way, cholesterol medications lower your hormone production. So I think you should get off your cholesterol medication or Remember, cholesterol is significantly tied to the microbiome, so you do the recovery protocol and you can help your cholesterol get off your cholesterol. Statin drugs in particular, terrible, terrible for uh, hormone production and general health. So I'm going to move up to the next one on the list, try to get through. The next one on the list is joints, aches, and pains. As we know, as we get older, uh, number seven, joints, aches, and pains. So I think... With joints, uh, let me start by saying what I I practice, which is I I think of my knees as you know sort of precious. <laughs> I don't I don't really think of them as precious, but I I try to I try to protect my knees because I'm so cognizant of the 60 plus crowd who are struggling to walk without pain, who can no longer ski bumps, which I happen to be a big fan of. I want to be able to ski bumps into my 80s, and you know, that has to do with a number of things. Chronic repetitive trauma on hard surfaces, right? If you run on a track that is a dirt track or you run on the grass, dramatically lower arthritic changes compared to running on concrete or asphalt. If you run on a treadmill, dramatically lower trauma than running on asphalt or concrete. So first of all, if you're a runner, you just love running and I don't want to hear another thing about it, Dr. J. That's totally fine with me, but try to choose areas of running where it's on dirt, grass, or treadmill And this will substantially reduce your long-term damage. The other thing about running is like, you know, I would try to mix in and some other things, whether it's rowing or elliptical training or uh, swimming or other forms of cardio that can get you that same rush without the joint hits. Running is really like the worst. And I've seen these runners, they just love running and it's so fantastic. And so much of their immune system is benefiting from it. But yeah, I hit 50 and all of a sudden they're like, oh, it kind of hurts to get up in the morning and oh, walking up and down stairs, a little challenging. And oh, you know, I can't do the long hikes like I used to or whatever it is. I hate to see that. Now, we do have a product called Joint Relief, which really helps a lot of people. It's a twice daily elixir designed to help improve joint health. I've seen some evidence of long-term improvements in in joint changes, believe it or not, but uh, mainly let's focus on just the relief of pain, uh, makes it much more tolerable. I'm not a fan of any of the NSAIDs, so no, no ibuprofen or, you know, other pain med, Tylenol even, none of these are good for you. And so you want to try to not be on those for the stomach damage, the kidney damage and all of that. And so stay away from those. 
when it comes to aches and pains in your muscles, you just got to remember that if you don't use it, you lose it. And there's going to be a realization. And I get it. Not everybody just has the motivation to go out and exercise, primarily because in the beginning, it seems like you can only get a block before you're starting to get short of breath. And that just seems frustrating, or I'm not sure exactly all the motivations that keep people from exercise. If you don't use that muscle, it, can, it will continue to atrophy into your 50s, 60s, and 70s. And one of the coolest things about our bodies is our muscles hold up nicely. They hold up quite nicely when it comes to just keeping them in some level of use on a like three times a week basis. I don't even think two times a week. Now, I'm not even a fan of hardcore lifting. I think lifting can lead to injuries. I'm a big believer in pull-ups, push-ups, just taking it easy when it comes to free weights. Now, I'm a believer in free weights when it comes to, you know, walking with with weights. And while you're walking, you know, you're using these lightweight weights in your hands to build muscles. That's that's a great way to do it. Just remember, you got to use upper body and lower body exercises. Like every day, you'll see me on the elliptical for about 45 to 50 minutes. And then three times a week, I'm doing a set of pull-ups and a set of push-ups. And that is all I need to maintain my muscle mass. So just as far as aches and pains go, listen, a ton of people have Epstein-Barr virus. And it kind of becomes this sort of chronic fibromyalgia thing. We do very well with fibromyalgia. Reach out to me or check out our website, osmosisbeauty.com. We should have wellness protocols up there in the next week or two. But, you know, when this comes out, hopefully I'll have those up. But if it's aches or pains that seem to never go away, that's probably more of a viral thing. And let us try to address that for you. Or you can write me at drben at osmosisbeauty.com. But sometimes it can be spinal stuff. Like if you've, if you were a football player, if you did exercises that really kind of compressed your spine, you may have uh, issues like that, that we're not so good at. Um, I'm a big believer in extension therapy. And on that note, let me go back to hair loss. One of the things that I've discovered is inversion tables. Inversion tables can help hair loss. So if you're, oh, you know what? I didn't cover all the hair loss stuff either. I'm going to go back. Sorry. So inversion tables, like once a week for 30 minutes, they're kind of a pain. I'm not particularly big fan of them. You know, it's little uncomfortable on the ankles. You get kind of bored <laughs> sitting there. But 30 minutes a week is what I believe is enough to help your spine extend when it comes to these aches and pains and also enough. So like if you're someone who gets low back pain, you've got to look at your posture and how you're sitting and think about inversion to help stretch that back out. Um, you always want to try to sit upright. Like right now I'm doing this podcast and I'm not sitting upright. I'm trying to lean into the microphone. But yeah, I find the inversion table has helped hair growth. And there's also a hair helmet I think actually is helpful. And I'll give them a plug. I don't know the company other than I use it. It's called iRestore. It's a uh, laser light generated hair helmet that does... It's one of the few things I would say seems to be effective on the scalp. So let's go to hair loss. Cheese, cheese, cheese. There's lots of things here like Rogaine. Should you use Rogaine? Listen, Rogaine can create some temporary relief. Uh, I should say temporary growth by vasodilating the follicles. If you're committed to keep using it, it's a not an unreasonable ad. You can do it generally, generically for pretty inexpensively uh, um, on a monthly basis. I just find it to be too cumbersome with... I, uh, I just don't do it. I don't think it adds that much that it's it's just not in my protocol, but it's, uh, it's certainly a reasonable thing to do. I haven't 
found the growth factor serums to be very effective. There's an important thing you should understand about hair, which is uh, in the spring months is when your hair starts to grow faster and thicker. And in the fall months, your hair starts to thin out again. So a lot of hair product companies know this and they do their hair testing during the spring and stay away from the fall. So don't get caught up and buy a bunch of wasteful stuff. Yeah, you want to do generic minoxidil, by the way, not necessarily pay for Rogaine. But I don't believe in testosterone blocking agent. Uh, so sorry. You'll know what I'm talking about. It's the oral medication for hair loss. Did not like that personally at all. It reduces your testosterone. Testosterone is really important for your overall function and actually reduces you know, the testosterone at the receptor level. But that affects... That affects libido, it affects sexual potency, it affects other aspects of testosterone. So I'm sorry I didn't have that in my head, um, but that one just popped in. And then other hair loss can be associated with thyroid. So always look for unusual weight gain and fatigue associated with your hair loss. Usually women, if they have a male balding pattern where their forehead is going backwards, or I should say forehead is getting bigger, you're thinking about testosterone. That's usually the cause. So you're thinking about estrogen poisoning. You want to be a little bit careful. I find that uh, women who pull their hair back really tight every day, like that's their look, can see that pressure on their follicles cause the follicles to go dormant. And, you know, whether or not they come back is is still iffy. So, um, you know, you want to be cognizant of that. If you're someone who already has a larger forehead and likes to pull their hair back, I would change hairstyles. And so, yes, so we have thyroid is a related issue. Osmosis has a protocol for Hashimoto's and sometimes thyroid problems are caused by candida. So we have a protocol for that. And sometimes thyroid problems are caused by Epstein-Barr virus and we have a protocol for that. And those are the main ones for thyroid and related hair loss. Stress can cause hair loss. Stressing out about your hair loss causes hair loss. So consider emotional well-being if you can't help but obsess over your hair and your hair loss. Hormone relief contains frequencies to address hair loss in it. Um, So it can be beneficial for a lot of people. You know, what you should expect is after the first month to see a decline of hair in the shower falling out kind of thing. And then a progressive improvement in hair over time on that protocol. So I think that pretty much covers it covers the intimacy and libido stuff. We got the joints, aches, and pains at number seven. And let's go ahead and round out and finish off at number six. I have down as the number six sign of aging is immune system weakness. So this is such a broad category. What I would say to you is that there's so many hits where it can come from. So I'll try to be just really broad and simple in my response. Number one, one of the main reasons you want to exercise is not just to keep your muscles toned and present. Remember, they atrophy if you don't use them. But you also want to do it for the oxygenation. So there's a critical oxygen is a critical player in repairing damage in your body. And oxygen is a critical player in fighting viruses and other pathogens. So you want that exercise in. That is why exercise is shown to prolong life. Really important for the immune system. Number two. Vitamin D receptors are on pretty much every tissue in your body. Taking vitamin D as a supplement is 
let's say, less than one-third as effective as sun-derived vitamin D. You need to get out in the sun. You need to get that sun. I promise you, it is such a huge benefit. All the research shows it's a massive benefit to the immune system, reduces cancer rates all across the board, practically, and other other benefits as well. So it's, it's vitamin D is a hormone. It's one of the most important anti-aging hormones you know about. So you might have heard of HGH, human growth hormone. You might have heard of... IGF-1, which is HGH is, you know, what's what it turns into. And it's really the, the communicator to the cells. And I'm putting vitamin D right up there in that category, guys, right up there with your other hormones, probably more important than estrogen and testosterone when it comes to aging effects. And as a result of that, you need to get out and get sun and it's not sun with sunscreen on it. Obviously you don't want to get sunburns because then your skin aging, which we address later is an issue, but you need to address sun on a regular basis and vitamin D is is just very poor effort. Now, I am coming out with a supplement soon called Regenerate. And in that supplement, there is grass-fed cow liver extract. And believe it or not, the already processed vitamin D, the storage form of vitamin D that your body has available to you, the potent one, not the the D3 that you get in your supplement, is available in that extract. And I made sure to make the capsules be enteric-coated so they don't get damaged in stomach acid. Really important if you're taking vitamin D, particularly this form. So I do believe this will be a great source uh, for vitamin D that is much better than a traditional supplement. All kinds of other benefits with that Regenerate product that I'll go into when it gets closer to launch, hopefully a month or two away. And so yes, vitamin D critical, oxygen critical, immune system, other immune system benefits, detoxing your body. So we face a million toxins a day. I recommend skin defense to bind up your toxins. It it has heavy metal binders. It has estrogen toxin binders. It has generalized toxin binders. Fantastic for you for immune system decline. If you're low in oxygen and maybe physically not able to exercise much, immune activator is our oxygen replenishing and it uses something called trioxalane, which is a really unique effect on the immune system. And uh, so you take that once a day to help build your immune system. Your immune system is heavily dependent on your microbiome. So restoring that microbiome is going to restore a lot of effectiveness in the immune cell functionality and just your ability in in general to handle uh, what's coming at you on a day-to-day basis. So recovery for a tablespoon a day for three months is always a great idea for declining immune systems. But the big one, the big one I've seen for immune system decline is usually some people have a virus or they have mold exposure. And for that, there's immune defense. This is one of uh, the elixir that has the antiviral, antipathogen capacity. So protocols vary. Like if you have mold exposure, you're looking at, you know, just two doses over 12 hours. But if you have a more serious virus, it could be anywhere from one dose for like the flu to 16 doses for like uh, Lyme disease and other conditions. And again, what we're trying to do is take out the bug that is causing your immune system to be compromised, distracted, whatever word you want to use. Powerful, powerful tool. Amazing studies coming, amazing feedback from people on that. So remember, stress is a a burden on your immune system. So you want to do your best to resolve any chronic ideas of stress that your brain is ruminating on. And 
So a lot of people ask, well, what, what should I avoid in this category? Well, in the immune system, I would avoid medications. Almost every medication that you take causes immune system weakness in one way or another. I remember talking to a friend recently and they were on Keytruda and they're like, well, I got coronavirus, but thank God I had Keytruda because that virus was a, just a beast. Took me two months to get over it. Glad Keytruda was there to make my immune system stronger. And I had to correct him and go, no, sorry, my friend. The reason you had coronavirus for two months is because you were on Keytruda suppressing your immune system. And he was on it for cancer that he was, you know, a lot of these people are putting uh, you on long-term cancer remedies that you have to stay on. Uh, Well, those damage your immune system. So medications in general, especially long-term chemo, long-term antibiotics, terrible for for your immune system, long-term steroids, antihistamines are bad for your immune system. Yeah, the list is long, unfortunately. Uh, Anti-inflammatories are bad for the immune system. Those are all things I would watch out for. Another one that people get surprised by is the megadosing of antioxidants. They think that oxygen-free radicals are bad news for the body, but the body controls your oxygen-free radicals very well. So I'm not a believer in megadosing vitamin C or CoQ10 or or uh, any of these. In fact, resveratrol, any of these, uh, when they did clinical trials on them, and you, you might remember, it's like a decade ago, I want to say, they came out with this huge trial on vitamin E and vitamin C, and what they found was no benefit. In fact, harmful when megadosed. And why is that? Because oxygen-free radicals are a key tool for your immune system to fight bugs and repair damage. They're not just this horrible, you know, source of pain and inflammation. So you definitely want to avoid megadosing of those. That has got to be a total shift in the mentality because America thinks antioxidants are the key. Skin as well. I'm not a big believer in a ton of antioxidants for the skin because, again, your skin manages what's going on really well and it ramps up when it needs to, ramps down when it needs to. So that was a lot. First episode, one hour long. Sorry about that if you ran out of time. But I think we covered a lot of ground, and I, I hope you enjoyed it. So again, you can see me talking on Insta Lives, uh, Osmosis Beauty's Instagram account. Um, I do Insta Lives every Thursday, and then we save them for for follow up later. You can you know reach me directly at Dr. Bennett Osmosis Beauty. You can go to our website osmosisbeauty.com and see all the different options we have. And it's hard to chase down sometimes the information you need. So I'm trying to make that more readily available, like I said, coming soon. But our, we, our wellness is very targeted and it's very innovative and it's specifically designed to address the source of your problems. So I think you're going to find our protocols to be very helpful to you. So next week when we come back, we will start the number five sign of aging and it is related to your mind, to memory, mental clarity, and focus. So we'll come back to that next time. Thank you for joining me on this one. Talk to you soon, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ask Dr. Ben. Please leave a review if you can and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get access to all of my upcoming episodes. My website is osmosisbeauty.com and you can find me on Facebook at osmosisbeauty. You can also follow me on Instagram at osmosis underscore beauty. Thanks for listening.